0: Cause it's a pick! A destiny child You know it will be rocking Cause it's flippin' insane It's just a pick! A destiny child More precious than a diamond on the bottom Like a Clint Eastwood character returning to lay down the law one last time even though no one necessarily asked for it We're back for another season of The Pick God damn it Uh... I'm your host for this episode, Colin Westman. I am joined by...
1: John Otney, goddammit.
0: And Sean Lemmy. You have a rendezvous with my ass, motherfucker. (laughs) Classic line from the film we are talking about. uh, This episode, In the Line of Fire. uh, Kind of as a tribute to... Wolfgang Peterson, the director Who Passed away About, almost a month ago um, and who I'm not Super familiar with um, his work Overall um, and you know It's just always good to Talk about Clint Eastwood Cause we haven't, we haven't done a Clint Movie yet uh, and he's <laughs> He's just a fun guy to watch on screen, uh, especially as an old, grizzled Secret Service agent. Um, I guess we will talk about our little picks first. Um, mine will be a movie that all of us watched over the, uh, the recent Labor Day weekend um, we watched it together over the internet Because that's the way things are now um, It is Elvis The Boslerman biopic Of uh, The King of Rock and Roll uh, Telling <laughs> pretty much his whole life story But also telling a lot of his manager Colonel Todd Parker's story as well It's uh, just a lot In it, maybe tries to jam too much into one movie, but like maybe, maybe what the fuck are you talking about? Maybe, maybe (laughs) I don't know if it's Bosler doing an Elvis movie. Like it's gonna be big. There's gonna be too much. Um, It's to be expected. I guess you're right. There's not any more I could have asked for. From this movie, except like <laughs> You know, less Maybe But yeah, this is a Elvis story Told from the perspective Of... Goldmember Of Gold member, basically <laughs> Tom Hanks doing a Ridiculous accent That I, I guess You eventually get used to Even though it never Never feels quite right Or like he's a real person really he's just like a movie villain who happened to exist in real life although i don't know he he did seem like a man of very questionable morals um i don't know what you guys think of it overall
1: um hmm i really liked well, first of all, it looked great. I don't think there's a lot of yeah. debate in it. I think it looks fantastic. There's so many great costumes and sets and set pieces. So that's all good. You can always count on Boz uh, for going big in that way. I also yeah. thought Austin Butler, very good. I really liked his performance. Great. I wasn't sure if it was going to yeah. be like embarrassing or, or, or just weird, but it's it, perfect. Um, he has the swagger, and he, he looks like him, and he's got the... I know he sang some of the... I think Elvis is singing in the first half of the film, The Younger Years, is him, and then by the time he gets to Vegas, they I think they're just using older recordings. But, great! I think he deserves mm-hmm. an Oscar nomination. Yeah. Uh, so, I think it, like, evens out to, like, a good, like, a fine movie. Um, mm-hmm. But, there's just so much ground to cover. It doesn't... I don't know if it always highlights the best moments, and then, like, how they... They like speed run the first like decade of his life. Mm. Like you're at a roller coaster. They <laughs> like speedrun
0: yeah. like most of the sixties. <laughs> and know. then
1: once he's in Vegas, it's almost too slow. It, it's, it can never quite settle on a good pace, but it there's a lot of good moments.
0: Like, yeah, you know, it does like sp- speed up and slow down, and it is like a little jarring. Uh, It's just like hard to know What what I would want out of An Elvis biopic Just because I don't know He's like a guy that I don't feel like Maybe younger people Connect with as much And don't have as much of a relationship With his music as say the Beatles Or uh, I don't know Any any popular big artist From the 60s onward But like i don't know maybe a more nuanced take could have could have been good also but like elvis lived a big life (laughs) like the bombastic feel does feel kind of true to um elvis having like this very american sort of tragic but also like triumphant life at the same time so i mean it works but it's also just a, a pretty flawed film in a lot of ways too. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, t- to me, that's, what's kind of disappointing about it is that we have someone who is, you know, called like, not ironically called seriously the king of rock and roll mm-hmm. and like, is the most successful, I think it says in the movie, right? Like still the most successful
0: solo, solo
2: recording artist of all time. Yeah. Um, And the movie portrays him as like a, like a sideshow act that got exploited like it it doesn't seem to me like it ever genuinely makes the case that he was a great musician like it's always just in the context of uh well basically he's doing black people music but he's white so we can make money off of it more easily
0: (laughs) yeah and Um, i mean i think that's something that comes from telling it from Colonel Tom Parker's perspective, more because I get I get the idea that's that's how he saw Elvis, but I'm I'm sure Elvis never saw himself that way, and I'm sure his fans never saw him that way. So it's like I guess it kind of gets yeah. down to what version of Elvis's story you want to tell, and this is kind of the Colonel Tom Parker version of Elvis's story.
2: Well, and and the movie flirts with some of those ideas, right? Like it does have parts where, um, uh, he's he's interacting with uh, black musicians and and sort of getting their perspective. And I think there's a few other like potential concepts for an Elvis movie that they, uh, they don't fully commit to. Like there's there's his relationship with his parents. They could have done a whole movie about how his relationship with his parents affected his life. Or, um, there's his like crazy relationship with God in this movie, which could have also, I think, been a whole, like could have been the take. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's, I guess they just decided that Colonel Tom Parker was the, the most interesting way to do it. And I, I, I mean, maybe it's, it's a funny way to do it for sure. Um,
0: It, it makes it feel a little funny. Fresh, I guess, in terms of the biopic genre. Like, telling the story of a biopic from the villain's perspective is not something we've seen. But, that's true, um, but.
1: um, Almadeus. Well, I guess if if you consider Salieri a villain.
2: Well, he does kill Mozart, (laughs) he had it coming.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's
2: true. I, I would say the movie does still have the Dewey Cox problem of <laughs> when you have too many scenes that are reminiscent of scenes from Dewey Cox, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> You've
0: got a problem. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like, there's like Elvis's life had so many remarkable uh, kind of eras to it that you could make one movie from a bunch of them. Like, I mean, I was just thinking, like, the arc of him... Uh, kind of getting disillusioned by making mediocre movies for years and then coming back with uh, the 68 comeback special like that could be a movie to itself easily. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. or, or even a part that of his life that isn't even mentioned in this movie, him meeting Nixon actually is a full movie unto itself for some right. reason. So it's just like...
2: Or him learning to dance from Forrest Gump.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that—that that wasn't the whole point of Forrest Gump, but it was—it was pretty key <laughs> in that movie.
2: Um, I gotta ask. I think John's seen it. What's the John Carpenter Elvis movie? What does that do?
1: I don't. Remember. I mean, I saw it in like high school. It's it's very long. I think it's of the whole career. I don't remember Tom Parker being as big a part of it, though. I feel like this is—I feel like that's this movie's angle, because obviously there's been other movies about Elvis, so I think this movie was trying to be like, well, let's get let's focus on more on the Tom Parker relationship. Um, you know, some—I I still can't get over like, am I glad that he sounds like Goldmember, or do I wish? Because because here's <laughs> the thing: I watched you can watch this interview on YouTube from the late '80s where uh, Ted Koppel is interviewing uh, Tom Parker, he doesn't sound like this. Mm -hmm. The thing about his accent was pretty subtle. He actually tricked a lot of people that he was from West Virginia because you couldn't really tell Mm -hmm. he had an accent. There's certain words, like like when he said book, he'd say like book, like he has like six O's in it or something. Like there's certain words that Mm. would trip him up. But otherwise, you would think he's an American. Like I don't think Elvis ever found out Tom Barker wasn't American in real life, so it's bizarre that Tom Hanks played this like like a Batman villain with this hilarious voice. Yeah, but I don't know if that made the character more interesting. I mean, obviously, adds entertainment in uh, like from a camp value kind of way. Mm Hmm. Um. I don't know. I guess I like it, but it's weird because. Later on, um, in like the more serious moments, like in the Vegas years, I'm like, "There's, there's like a pretty good drama hidden in here somewhere." Awesome Butler's given doing a good job being tormented, mm. and then it's funny or or not funny. It's sad that that's buried in this weird like SNL sketch of a movie sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and like I was saying before, when you watch those scenes, it's not clear. Like, is he actually a a musical genius that's putting on this amazing show, or is he just giving the people what they want, or are, like, people in Vegas dumb, and he's just a sideshow act? Like, I'm, I'm not sure it could be any of those three to me, watching this movie.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think if they had to focus on anything, like, if I had my choice of what this movie would have been, I would have just made it about the comeback special, personally. Um Either yeah, that, no. or, like, Elvis it hasn't just really been done. Yeah, I like,
2: and it's a strong part of the movie. There's not
1: enough biopics that are focused on a very small window. That's why I like. I know this isn't a beloved movie. That's why I liked uh, Steve. Is it Steve Jobs or Jobs? The good one that only
0: focuses on
1: like three separate moments from his life. Like, focus in on something specific. Like, if you're gonna tell a whole story, you're gonna get lost in the weeds because you know people like Elvis evolve and change and have different stages of their career and it's it's going to be hard to focus on an arc. Uh, it's just too ambitious. I mean, if, if, if it's going to be like this, might as well make it a fucking TV show. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: I think the last thing we have to talk about is the uh, heavy use of non-Elvis music in the movie. How would you guys feel about that?
1: I mean those Elvis songs are just like sweet covers of like hip hop beats. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's fun because that's isn't that like Boslerman's thing is like trying to make older stories contemporary? That's just like a stylistic flair. Pretty
0: much. I mean like Moulin Rouge has a bunch of modern pop songs in it and then The Great Gatsby has like a bunch of Jay Z songs in it, like mashed up mm-hmm. with old timey jazz. Uh, So I kind of came into this expecting something like that Uh, So I didn't didn't really have a problem with that And I I understand the desire to kind of uh, I don't know, draw a parallel between Elvis and today's artists Even if I don't know if the movie quite makes that connection uh, That effectively all the time but, but, but I, I like the uh, the effort
2: I th- I it just frustrates me because I feel like there's a disconnect there where it's like oh you don't actually like Elvis music obviously <laughs> then it's like well, well then why do you think I'm watching this movie Uh, like it's, it's really weird to watch a musical biopic about a musician whose music you don't like I think you, you could take that for granted and also the movie does take that for granted because there's a lot of times when Colonel Tom Parker's like you did this to him <laughs> like he's talking like we're like we're his contemporary audience uh even though i'm guessing m- most people who were uh alive When this was popular did not see this movie yeah
0: no,
1: probably not i'd be afraid of an old person watching this movie i don't know if they might get too uh panic too
0: much to take yeah
1: yeah might angry up the blood a little bit so many colors, so many hip hop beats. They won't be able to take it. High <laughs> adrenaline.
0: But you know, maybe maybe that's the film affecting or the film achieving its goals. Since it's like that's what Elvis did for old people back in the fifties. Um, <laughs> his fans have become <laughs> the people who hated Elvis when he was big. That's something to think about.
1: Yeah, dude. Well, we'll talk about it again when that four-hour cut comes out.
2: Quick tangent: yeah. um, I I learned from this movie that the real Elvis was a huge fan of Captain Marvel Junior, Captain Marvel's sidekick, right? Uh, yeah. Played by Adam Brody and Shazam, by the way. Nice. Right. Um, and did you know that his nemesis is uh, not Black Adam? But someone with an even more problematic name. Uh Oh. Captain Nazi.
1: (laughs) Captain Nazi. Oh my gosh.
2: Captain Nazi. Member of the Suicide Squad.
1: Oh boy. Okay, I'm looking I gotta look up this Captain Nazi character. (laughs) Member of the Suicide Squad. Doesn't seem like you ever want him on your side. Yeah, he looks like Cap he looks The name is befitting. This is a bad dude. Uh, he's doing the salute a lot. He's pretty into it. <laughs> Captain Nazi. <laughs> How have I have never ever heard of this character. They're using him a little, I feel like, more often than they should. <laughs> there's a lot of artwork. Like, I know he's a villain. Um, there's one picture I like that looks like it's from some sort of, like, bio page where it's him standing proud while getting kicked in the face. I like this. Uh Uh-oh, so he made a Captain Nazi action figure. No!
2: (laughs) I mean, at least it looks like he does get the shit beaten out of him all the time.
1: He definitely doesn't seem to be popular within universe. (laughs) He's taking a lot of hits. Um. Wow. Sorry, I'm like reading a page from a Captain Marvel Jr. comic. <laughs> He's taking sissy commands from Hitler. Hitler's burning a map of Africa. I don't like it. I don't like it. But what I do like is my little pick. Oh, yeah? Guys, What's that? I'm over the moon for my little pick. Fruit Brute Cereal. Is on the shelves. Oh my god. Guys, the General Mills monsters are back, and better than ever. And they've brought a friend with them. And it's Fruit Brute. You guys know Fruit Brute?
0: I've heard the name. Um,
2: I actually don't, but I am curious to know if they misspelled the word fruit like they do with Fruit Brutes. Uh,
1: I think, you know, now that you mention I don't know. But I'm pretty sure it's spelled the, the regular, regular style.
2: It's not F-R-U-T-E?
1: I don't think so. Because it's not like Brute is spelled that way.
2: Yeah, it is. Oh my god, it's de- it's definitely spelled F-R-U-T-E, B-R-U-T-E. It's fr- they misspelled Fruit. It's great. Good job, General Mills. You've done it again. I know what
1: you're looking at, but I'm looking at the current. Oh, it is spelled funny. Yeah, you're right. I thought you meant like O-O-T.
2: No, it's not spelled like Fruit Loops. It's spelled with a U-T-E yeah, yeah, instead yeah, yeah. of U-I-T. It is,
1: it is, it is. Uh, Fruit Drizzle, uh,
2: um, it, uh, it looks like a dead werewolf, yeah, judging by the X's in his eyes. So every
1: time they bring back the generals most monsters, they adapt a new uh, style. I remember like a couple years when they brought it back and everyone looked all like anime characters. Uh, this year, all the characters seem to be composed of a series of X's, like little X's. <laughs> and, but then their eyes are X's, so they all look dead, which is appropriate, I yeah. guess, because they're monsters. Uh, but Fruit Brut had to get it because it's cherry-flavored, um, so it's something different. It's kind of fun. I think I do like it better than...
2: What Frank- is Frankenberry?
1: Frankenberry is strawberry, I believe.
2: And what is... Boo- I'm guessing boo is blueberry.
1: Yeah, no shit. It's practically his okay. name. Uh berry <laughs> okay. is, is still the worst. <laughs>
0: wow, <laughs> what the, harsh.
1: What the, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you,
0: you fucking idiot, shut <laughs> Of course.
1: (laughs) Blueberry is still the worst. I think this might get the edge over Frankenberry. Um, I think Katchaku is still the best. Actually, Yummy Mummy they bring back occasionally as well. They didn't bring them back this time. Uh, That one's bad. Because I feel like it's just like vanilla. It's nothing. (laughs) Uh, It sucks. Which is weird because it's fruity yummy mummy. So it doesn't even make sense. Uh, but here's something that's exciting about this cereal, guys. So there is a uh, oh, Sean, you posted some uh, artwork from one of the past iterations. Oh, yeah. They,
2: yeah, when they came back in 2013, everyone was hot as hell.
1: I don't know if I consider this hot as hell. They look like uh, <laughs> they look like uh, Motel Transylvania style. Yeah, so it's kind of that. Uh, it's where, just like uh,
0: their eyes and their mouths just take up the entire face. They're so big. Yeah, it's,
1: that's because they're really hungry. They really want to eat that cereal. It's
2: really, that DreamWorks style.
1: Yeah. Well, guys, I've got a fun announcement to make about uh, Fruit Fruit. So there's a contest yeah. on the back of the boxes this year, where you go to some website, okay. you type in a code, and the first two hundred thousand, which is a lot, uh, people that enter this code will get sent figurines. Of the General Mills monsters, the, the the three the four that they did this year, and if, obviously I was all over this. I entered it. You could enter it multiple times. I entered it about four times, I think. Um, I didn't have to buy that many boxes. I just went back to the store and looked at some boxes because it's on the back of the box. Uh, only if I had to... <laughs> you stole the Here, no, you stole the codes no, from under... no no no. Here's the thing: the code is always the same. It just doesn't tell you that. Oh. Um, And I got an email yesterday that I will be sent some of these spiffy new figurines.
2: All right. Do you have to pay shipping and handling? I don't
1: have to pay anything. They, they mine. Wow. That's nice. I'm going to show you, though, um, in the Discord. Once you see what these figurines are, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Because they look like the kind of prizes that you just get in the box. But <laughs> they just don't do that kind of shit anymore. I don't know if that's supply chain or what. Yeah. I bet it is. COVID. Um, yeah, I'm sending you. Feel like leave. that's
0: stopped far before COVID.
1: These, no, they're not even painted. They're Not even painted. They, I, they I assume this is plastic, not not some kind of uh, marble or something like would <laughs> like, like to be marble.
0: <laughs> of the finest. They granite. didn't
1: even.
2: They didn't even like cut out the filling between like their arms and their heads. It's just uh, like left in as since people
1: can't see this they're, they appear to be plastic they appear to be fairly as two dimensional as 3D can get uh, <laughs> each character is just one solid color Frankenberry is pink Cat Chocula is brown Blueberry is blue and uh, Fruit Brute is red but still I'm glad that I'm getting them that'll be a fun thing to put on my shelf uh, maybe they'll be worth something someday who knows some desperate collector
2: no, no love for uh what was the other guy? Yummy
1: Mummy. It's funny how they Yum- circulate out, mummy? him and Fruit root. They don't come back every year. The other three are always there. The other two. I don't know. They must do something like Yummy
2: Mummy out. sounds interesting. I would want to try that now that I know that it exists.
1: Well, like I said, it's vanilla, but I also think the flavors change. Like, I think Fruit root used to be lime. Like, they can't keep their fucking story straight. Well, yeah, what
2: I'm seeing uh, is that in 2013. Uh, yeah, Yummy Mummy was orange cream Flavor with spooky marshmallows mm-hmm. Which they actually call Marshmallows not um, Marshloids or whatever the Lucky Charms has to call Ooh, them I
1: don't like that I've never heard that I, I hate it
0: Because it, it doesn't have enough Mallow in it to
1: qualify
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mallow is um, <laughs> They're called
2: Marbits
1: That's right? it I know yeah Uh I like marshmallows. <laughs> Marbits, yeah, I've heard that from that, a Macaros cereal podcast. That's a term I have heard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I recommend you start every morning with some fruit fruit. What about you, Sean? What do you recommend?
2: Um, maybe when you get into the office, you're gonna want to put some. Uh... The music on uh at least that's what i do when i'm working and um for a few years now i've uh started listening to the uh um like lo-fi beats to study to like live youtube channel um and so this summer i was like i should actually like learn about this music that i like um (laughs) And it seemed like a good starting point for that is uh, one of the uh, the two uh, Godfathers of lofi hip hop, uh, which is New Uh The other one is Jay Dilla, by the way. I don't know much about him yet, but I'm gonna get there. Weirdly, they both have the same birthday, and they both died young. Weird. Um, I well New Jabez. That's good. Oh. I know about
0: I know about Jay Dilla, but I don't know about this other guy. So <laughs> teach me.
2: Um yeah so he is a uh Japanese uh producer and DJ and composer that uh, kind of broke out in the uh I guess late 90s early 2000s uh with this you know unique sound which we now call lo-fi hip hop you maybe heard his stuff uh just on in like the bumpers on like Adult Swim you know how like they have those those cards where they're like telling you stuff they have music so some of that was uh, new job music hmm. um he also contributed heavily to the soundtrack of um the anime samurai champloo uh which is cool to me because it was created by um Shinjiro Watanabe uh, who is also the creator of Cowboy Bebop so this one Japanese guy has heavily influenced both my taste in uh, big band jazz and uh, lo-fi hip-hop so I I owe a lot to him and uh, yeah he's got uh, Nujabez has uh, three sort of four albums you can can find pretty easily Um, although also I guess that Samurai Champloo Uh, Soundtrack is something you can look up. I would recommend starting with his second album, which is called uh, Modal Soul. Uh, It's got the most of my favorite songs on it that of of any of his albums. Uh, It's just a uh, really cool, laid back. easy-to-listen to hip-hop album. Uh, I would I should say it, he, is, he is Japanese, but I think every single song that has uh, rapping has it in English. I don't think there was anything in Japanese. Uh, even even his Japanese rappers rap in, in English, so it's pretty easy to get into. Uh, if you like Modal Soul, definitely go back and listen to his first album, which is called Metaphorical Music. Um... And then after that, it gets a little shakier. Um, there's an album called Spiritual State that came out uh, after Nujabas died in a car accident. Um, that I think was finished by other people. That's I think maybe even a little too like laid back and lush. It's a uh, it's it's kind of slow. It's a little, it's a little harder. It doesn't feel as cool, I guess, as as the first two albums. Um. And then there's this um, sort of like compilation of a collaboration between Nujabes Jabez and uh, a rapper named uh, Shingo Two, uh, called "Love Sick," which you can also find. That's kind of weird and long, but uh, if if you're into this vibe, uh, I think you'll you know you'll feast on having such a, a big meal available to you. Um, so it's been a fun, cool summer to, to listen to these albums a bunch, and uh, they go great for my main music use case, which is uh, playing video games and working. Uh, maybe not good gym music, uh, but uh, there's plenty of other stuff for that. Um, so yeah, go check out,
0: uh,
2: at the very least, Modal Soul. I think it's, it's a really cool album. All
0: right. Cool. I guess we can talk about In the Line of Fire now I was like hoping I would be able to find a, a, I don't know An interesting story behind um, Wolfgang Peterson Becoming like a big Hollywood Director Um Cause he was born in Germany Kind of came up through Um Like German film school And Started of directing for German TV, but I mean, I don't know. The reasons he, he got into directing big Hollywood blockbusters is, is fairly straightforward. I mean, it's basically that he made, uh, I think, two movies in Germany in the mid to late 70s. Um, I think that was around the time he met uh, Jurgen Prochnow, who would eventually star in Das Boot. But, um, I mean, really, that was that was the big catalyst for his entire career was Das Boot, a movie that um, maybe we should be reviewing instead. Uh, it's, it's a very well-regarded movie I've always wanted to see, and I don't think any of us have seen it. But uh, I went with this one instead. Um, but, anyways, Das Boot was a, a big international hit. It's always a rare thing when you get a... Um, like a foreign film that gets a bunch of Oscar nominations, not just in the international movie category, but in, in other departments as well. Um, I guess Parasite's mm-hmm. kind of the one that comes to mind recently where that happened. Um, but yeah, *Dust* boot got six Oscar nominations. Wolfgang Peterson won two for the movie, best director and best adapted screenplay. And so that kind of just like put them on wow. a, Put him on the fast track to, to Hollywood, uh, more or less, because he 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 didn't go back to making German films after that. Um, and his first, well, I guess his his first sort of Hollywood movie was also, I think it was a joint German and American production. It was the Never Ending Story, a movie uh, I feel like plenty of people have some like nostalgia for, but I don't. Really, if remember watching it as a kid, so I'm just like, "eh, it's a it's a thing."
1: How many Oscars did that one win?
0: Um, all all that of them. Up. Um, <laughs> it won. Uh, they're still counting. They're to are still this day.
1: <laughs> I love that movie as a kid. Yeah. It has so many puppets, um, but it's the saddest movie ever made, as well. Because it has a a sad animal death scene that is, uh, will just will fucking destroy you. (laughs) Okay. Like I I bet there's a Buzzfeed list out there somewhere. It's like ten kids movies that will fucking destroy you.
2: Yeah. It's another one of my uh, blind spots because I basically just watched uh, Disney movies and things that sold me toys when I was a kid.
1: I guess it didn't really do either, even though Falcor has so much toy potential because he's so fuzzy. (laughs) There were two sequels, too. Jack Black's in the second one. Yeah, I I think I saw the second one. Uh, But yeah, it's it's a good... I think it's a good movie. I like it. People remember the theme song, anyways, because of Stranger Things. That's the only way people remember anything from the 80s now, because it's got to (laughs) make its way through Stranger Things, otherwise it's forgotten. It's eaten up by the nothingness, which I can't remember yeah. if that's what the villain was in Neverending Story. The villain in Neverending Story is like an evil void that's just like making things nothing.
2: That's uh, wow. And en- entropy is the bad guy of that movie. That's I can't
1: remember what it was. What they called it? Um. Oh, it's it's just called the nothing. It, it is on villains wiki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. Most um, great villains are, or even not so great villains.
1: Maybe I'll say that for the end of the episode.
0: <laughs> we'll see.
1: All right, so that was his kind of uh, working somewhat with the Hollywood system, but still partially in Germany. What what came next, Colin?
0: Okay, so what came next were two movies that weren't. Like huge hits. Uh, after not? Never Ending Story was Enemy Mine.
1: All oh, future picks.
0: <laughs> oh, Which, hell uh, yeah! What a bizarre
1: selection of movies. He's <laughs> not a normal yeah. trajectory by any means.
0: No, not
2: really.
1: What are? I wonder
2: how much the budget fluctuates between these movies too. Hmm.
1: I feel like Never Ending Story had to have been expensive. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I it mean, looks like it looks
0: like seen. they're both kind of in the 20 million 20 to 30 million range yeah which is quite a bit for those days. um
1: yeah it looks like it.
0: And then after that he made a movie that I've never heard of called shattered Tom Beringer and Bob Hoskins. Did not do well Um, So I don't know It seems like he uh, Was kind of just like figuring things out (laughs) In the Hollywood Studio system And then after Shattered He did In the Line of Fire Which um, I don't know Looking at the movies he did during the rest of his Career I feel like this movie Kind of solidified His sort of take on the Action Genre Where they're like I don't know These pretty Sort of macho movies But they're like They're not quite as dumb As <laughs> like a Roland Emmerich or Michael Bay movie Like they're a little more grounded in reality or You know Or, or yeah. in the case of The Perfect Storm It's actually based on a true story But because of that the scale's
2: smaller too like, like, you 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 don't get to watch continents break into a thousand pieces.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but at the same time, like in the line of fire, I felt it felt like it had a scope to it that, like, you don't see in a lot of movies that aren't yeah, like about. <laughs> Like aliens invading or something. Like it still felt like a big movie. I guess because there's so many like crowd yeah. scenes and stuff.
2: Right. But the thing the difference is because of the stakes of this movie, um, you get those big scenes, but they always just culminate in old men running mm-hmm. as opposed to hey, hey, hey. like <laughs> ten million rounds of ammo being fired.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean both both compelling in their own ways <laughs> um, So yeah uh, In The Line of Fire I believe Clint Eastwood picked Wolfgang Peterson to Direct this movie kind of personally I couldn't really um, Read up how that happened Exactly I'm I'm guessing he was just A fan of Das Boot
1: Or yes. Neverending Story
0: Or never ending Story you never know <laughs> With Clint Uh, But I feel like this was also Kind of an interesting uh, Point in Clint's career Because this is his movie right after Unforgiven And you, You can see some similarities Where it is just like He's crossed over to being like Past his prime in his movies Like he's having to just like Deal with the fact that He's not a, a young gun anymore, um, and like this movie, sort of feels like it's it's similar to Unforgiven in the way it's like grappling with Clint Eastwood's earlier like cop movies in the way that Unforgiven's kind of reflective of his his earlier westerns, um, which makes me kind of curious to ask a little bit. Uh, uh Of you, Sean. <laughs> Didn't you recently rewatch, or not rewatch, but actually watch all of the Dirty Harry movies? Yeah, I've seen them all. I've seen them. Yeah. As someone who has only seen the first one, what was it like watching those sequels? I mean I'm I'm, a, I'm asking I guess so who's always seen the first one and I've never been sure like is it worth it are they fun is there any like value to watching them or are they just things that kind of exist
2: oh I mean there's they're fun um it's very much the uh, the sort of I, I the word I want to use is flanderization but that's not that's not quite right but uh, the the way of you know a franchise um, like will streamline itself into certain elements uh, is in full of force with uh, the uh, the Dirty Harry movies where like everything just gets down to like tropes and by the by the by the time you're watching the last one you know exactly what's going to happen by the time like, the second the movie starts. Um, the the politics are always uh, Good. weird and <laughs> uncomfortable. Always accurate, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know they 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 try some some different things and they like I think they stand above the other like very similar movies he was making at the time. So there's there's something about Dirty Harry, and maybe it's just that it's like the the uniqueness of constantly returning to San Francisco in a weird, jazzy soundtrack. Um, he loves jazz! It's the fact that he starts out already pretty old. Yeah. And he just gets so old.
1: Yeah, you guys want to hear something that will blow your mind? Clint Eastwood is six years older than Elvis. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ten... <laughs> Ten years older than John Mahoney, who's in this.
1: Movie. <laughs> it's just funny that there's a movie Jeez. where Clint Eastwood is like way too old to to be in this kind of movie, and it came out like thirty years ago, and he's yeah, still making movies. Yeah.
2: Insane. Twenty-four years older than Renee. Russo. Yeah,
1: I had to look it up when uh, when I was. I got scared when I noticed that there's like a, uh, a romantic aspect <laughs> to this movie. I had to look it up and. Those numbers didn't make it easier to swallow. (laughs) The opposite. I was choking on those numbers. His... uh, Clint Eastwood, like... It's so funny the kinds of characters Clint Eastwood plays. I still haven't seen that many Clint Eastwood movies. But, like, I remember when I saw Grant Trino... And, like, his character in that is, like, a racist. And, like, a weird crank. I'm like, oh, that's probably, like, just the character... And then recently I saw a Million Dollar Baby, and he plays a similar character, and I'm like, well, that's just a character. And then I watched this, and this kind of stuff he says about, like, w- women and stuff. I'm like, yeah. is this just a character, or is this just what Clint Eastwood <laughs> is like? <laughs> All these movies, like, they are such thinly veiled versions of just who he already is. Um, I mean, no, hard
0: to say. I mean, it's not like he writes his movies, so... <laughs> I, I will
1: say though, to be fair, in all of these movies, the opposing side is always like, "Shut up." <laughs> it's not yeah. like he, he gets the upper hand in all of these uh, conversations. Uh, he gets some bite back, which I appreciate.
2: Also, this one has the weirdness of him hating Richard Nixon and loving JFK.
1: Very unusual. That is, yeah. Very
2: unusual Although I I feel like for a long time Even Republicans were like Fuck Richard Nixon Uh, Yeah Because there was no Fox News at the time So in the 70s everyone was like Yeah this guy's bad and we should all hate him Let's just move
0: on (laughs) Because we have the capacity to do so Apparently Yeah Alright so I don't think I'm going to go through the whole plot Uh, But I will do a little bit of setup Um, So, Clint Eastwood Plays uh, Secret Service Agent Frank Horrigan Who is A guy who Served as a Secret Service Agent On John F. Kennedy's Detail uh, The day he was assassinated So he's like haunted by this And it's Kind of follows his reputation as he has continued to work for the Secret Sa- Service um, throughout the decades. Yes, yeah. this, this movie takes place in 1993. What was then current day? Maybe 92, since it's a election year. Um, and I guess the the cool thing about the start of this movie is it kind of shows him as a secret service agent just like going out on cases that aren't directly yeah. related to the president like i had never seen that in a movie before it was really nothing i had ever thought about <laughs> so uh
2: also the bad guy in that scene is very interesting am i right john
1: oh like jigsaw yeah <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. Plus plus his character is named Mendoza, the bad guy from McBay. Oh.
1: Yeah. No, I'm it was fun to see Clint play the game. I would love to see Clint Eastwood in a Saw movie, I'm just saying. He wakes up in a room tied to the chair. I don't know what he has to do to get out. He'd just be like, just do it, you bastard. <laughs> To get out, he has to, like, say something nice about, like, Bill Clinton, but he can't do it. (laughs) I okay, I want a quick side note. Pull the trigger. So, Clint Eastwood, not a fan of Bill Clinton. He made a movie later on called Absolute Power that's basically if he had seen the Lewinsky scandal happen, and then what would he do with that power? it's basically a riff on that. Now, something that I like about this movie that it does is that we never see the the president really in this movie. We always kind of see him from a distance, hmm. which is a nice thematic touch because uh, Frank's like says like, "Oh, I you know, like I don't really want to get to know the president. You know, I'm just got to protect them. Like, it's more important to him to to do his duty for America than to actually like give a shit about who this person really is." But at the same time, I was also like. Yeah, that that's probably that's the reason. But is it also like a jab against Bill Clinton? How Bill Clinton sucks, and he doesn't want to.
0: I don't know. I'm thinking
1: <laughs> about that. Probably not, because he didn't. It's not like he directed it or wrote it or anything. But it's just like, it's just kind of funny to think about. Talk about like because he he kind of leans into he kind of leans into like he doesn't think this president is like that great.
0: Yeah. Well, I also don't know if Bill Clinton. I mean, I don't think he was president when they were like shooting this. Okay. Cuz I I know I read that like for a lot of the um crowd footage they actually just like used footage of the the George H.W. Bush and Clinton rallies mm. um that were happening during that that election season. Um, okay. But I did learn that um Bill Clinton is a fan of this movie. <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, I've seen presidents like movies about presidents. So yeah, makes yeah. sense.
2: Especially about how like the Secret Service would like love to take a bullet for you. Like, oh, that's yeah. what they live for. <laughs> like, that's got to feel pretty good. It's good to know.
0: Yeah. So yeah, there's this first scene on a boat where Clint Eastwood... They don't really set up his relationship with Tobin Bell, but they, like, know each other somehow, and Tobin Bell takes um, Clint Eastwood's new partner hostage and Tobin Bell's like, you gotta shoot him, and then Clint Eastwood's like, yeah, right, and then he shoots a bunch of the other guys in the boat. Uh, and then I believe arrests, arrests the guy, Mendoza. (laughs) Yeah, and and then we get the reveal that he is a a Secret Service agent when he he whips out his badge. Yeah. And then, a little bit later, he's on a different case where he gets some call about a guy who just, like, lives in this apartment building who's weird, and I think the landlady shows Horrigan like, his little shrine that he has, um... Like that it's a shrine to presidential assassinations, I guess. Um, yeah. And that's when we kind of first learn about uh, booth aka J- James Cardi aka Mitch Leary, who's John Malkovich? Uh, who's this guy who just like wants to assassinate the president? He's got simple goals. And he wants to attain them Um, He's uh,
2: obsessed with a quote From JFK That said all it takes to uh, To kill a president Is to be willing to trade your life to do it Um, So that's like his His mindset He's just gotta um, Trade his life to get the president killed For some reason Yeah also, I'd like to bring up uh, Dylan McDermott as the partner. I think it's Dylan. It's
0: not McDermott rolling,
2: right?
1: You got it. You got it right.
0: <laughs> it is Dylan McDermott,
2: correct? Uh because I think it's interesting. He's playing like not totally the opposite, but kind of the opposite of a dirty Harry sidekick. Clean um, Henry. Because dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dirty, Dirty Harry normally has a, like, uh, super confident, uh, like, great cop as his partner, but he hates him for some other reason, like, <laughs> they're a woman, or they're black. God, um,
0: oh, Hispanic. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but,
2: uh, in this case, Dylan McDermott is a, like, shitty quitter Secret <laughs> Service agent, uh, who Frank loves <laughs> yeah. for no reason.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just a solid dude to have on your side. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess. I think he just says that the job it's, it's, is just too much for him. The nerves, because from that opening scene, like, it's too dangerous. Yeah.
2: No, I get that, but I'm just saying in every other Clint Eastwood movie, he'd be like, then you should fucking quit. <laughs> but in this one he like takes him aside and gives him a hug and kisses him on that forehead and is like, I love you, buddy. You're gonna be great at this.
0: Yeah, well I think this I mean, I think this character's a little softer than that, though, because he is so haunted by the past. Um, you know, particularly the JFK assassination, but also kind of the effect that had on his life, where like he became an alcoholic, and his wife left him, and it's just like, <laughs> this is all he has, and he doesn't seem like super pumped about <laughs> about still doing this job, but it's just like, it's his, it's his job. He's got to do it.
2: it. It pays for the jazz records.
0: Yeah, he does like jazz. He
1: loves jazz. He plays the piano. Hmm. There's a very funny line. Um, I, I don't... Not sure if I got it exactly right, where he first meets like Renee Russo, and he's making like some jab about how she's just there to like. So there's some sort of female representation in the uh, in their line of work, but he says it in a very condescending way, and then she's like, "Well, what's your demographic?" And he's like, "Heterosexuals that play the piano." <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just thinking—it's like, does it? You really have to say heterosexual? Like, he has to say old guys that play the piano, like as if like, I gotta make sure that I play the piano, but also that I'm not gay, because they might think if I just play piano, I'm gay.
0: I do like the dynamic of like, he he makes lots of kind of lame old guy jokes to Rene yeah. Russo, <laughs> where she's just like, okay, whatever, <laughs> but he clearly thinks he's like super funny. <laughs>
1: I like yeah, I like that she's always like whatever, shut the fuck up. Or then, or like later, she totally cock blocks him when it, they think they're gonna do it, but then she can't. And then he's like, "You mean I gotta put all my clothes back on?" <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. That was
2: I, I genuinely laughed at that line. Yeah,
1: it's funny. That's gonna take him some time. I've,
0: I've got to put all that shit back on. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, it was, I wrote it down. That is- <laughs> That is a fun sequence too, where they're like stumbling to the bed and it's just following their feet and all their like guns and ammunition and shit is falling. Yeah. Off. It's like it's like Mel Brooksy. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean it it definitely like softens a moment that you don't wanna really <laughs> watch unfold <laughs> this old guy having oh, yeah. sex, but at least they do it in kind of a fun, inventive way
2: um also just talking about him being old i thought it was really interesting that later on in the movie like basically right after this scene Mm
0: -hmm.
2: he just has a cold i can't think of another movie where someone like just has a cold and it's not like an omen that actually they're gonna get sick and die or (laughs) you know like like he just has a cold for a little bit and then he gets better it's relatable can you? Th- I'm serious though. Can you think of another movie where someone's just like, "I had a cold for a bit."
1: Um. So really. I'm sure so it's an Amer- American Splendor. Paul Giamatti, <laughs> he starts the movie talking all fucked up because he's got something wrong with his voice at that, some sort of sickness. But that's also a true story, so they're just taking it from the true thing that happens. Um. Otherwise, no, that's hard to think about. Doesn't that play, him being kind of sick, doesn't that play into later when they're like, oh, you're too old for this, and he's like coughing and shit too, so it just makes him seem even worse? Is, is that, yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought.
2: that. Oh, and he, he's confused when the balloons pop. Right. Yeah, he's like kind of so out it. So it.
1: it does have like a, a place in the plot.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, it is a nice touch. And like you're saying, yeah, I feel like in most movies that'd be some sort of, like, omen or foreshadowing to something even bigger. (laughs) He's been infected with some sort of nanobot that's carrying a virus.
2: Or he's got terminal cancer.
1: Oh, yeah, that's what it would be, definitely. It'd be a real Space Cowboys uh, reveal. I think one of the Space Cowboys has cancer, but he's hiding it from the other Space Cowboys. Saw so it in theaters.
0: <laughs> it's, it seems like a fun time.
1: I mean, Is he's it... even older, and he's going to outer space. He's <laughs> <Yeah, it's just laughs> defying the odds. And it's funny, because Tommy Lee Jones plays, like, the young hotshot of the group.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> even though he's pretty old, too.
0: Yeah. One thing I did read was, I believe the uh, the max above age you can be as a secret service agent is like 52 and clint eastwood was what like 62 oh. when he did this oh that's <laughs> fun like that. <laughs> i like that but i
1: like that and i also like that this movie is an interest i like movies about interesting jobs like a kind of job yeah. that you don't normally get to see in, in a movie uh, being, like, a presidential yeah. bodyguard. Or even before that, when his job is, like, you know, the like the government has to respond to uh, threats to the president. Like, it's that's all interesting to me, that they, they focus solely on that for a good chunk. It's, uh, it's interesting. I'm glad he's not some sort of, like, ex-operative, now classified agent. You know, it's not some bullshit. It's way more simple.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, like, what... Makes this movie so much better than uh, the two other <laughs> sort of similar movies we reviewed on this podcast. Olympus has fallen, and White House down.
1: Yeah, what is which, his job? In, where it's just like in Olympus has fallen.
0: I don't even remember. No, I I feel like he isn't a Secret Service agent, but he's somehow. Or he but he's definitely
1: ex. he's definitely like former like Secret Eagle Mega Black Ops like some bullshit.
0: Yeah. Oh no, he is a Secret Service agent.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: But I mean, he's not sixty
1: years he's not sixty he... years old though, so it's not
0: fun. He's not sixty years old. <laughs> yeah, I mean what what I was getting at is it's just a lot more grounded than either of those movies because it isn't about fucking taking over the White House. Yeah which is something that's never happened before, but a presidential assassination that that has happened before. So it's a a little easier to kind of wrap your mind around and kind of get invested in, in a more tangible way.
2: Also, I think it's a fun handicap that he has that he can't drive, but also like kind of talking to the, the Collins point about secret service requirements. I am sure if you are a secret service agent you are required to be able to drive a car and <laughs> probably have a driver's <laughs> license
0: yeah it's just
1: everyone like, he I, knows I, all the bus routes
2: <laughs> it's a fun quirk for the character in the movie because then he has an excuse to keep asking the supporting cast for rides which opens up interesting scenes But then at the end of the movie, he, like, has to take a taxi to get back to the big fight. And it's like, I think in this situation, a real Secret Service agent would, you know, uh, steal a car and just take it. But I guess he literally can't drive.
0: Yeah. That's fun. Um...
2: I also appreciated how much physical fitness is a part of this movie. Uh, physical fitness is a big part of a lot of Clint Eastwood movies. Definitely. Uh, like the Iger sanction, the middle of that movie, it's just him working out. Um, and uh, like even Dirty Harry, right? You've seen Dirty Harry. There's like a, yeah. a big part of that where he has to just like run across San Francisco.
0: Yeah.
2: Like that's what the, <laughs> that's what the serial killer wants him to do. Yeah. Um, and so I appreciated that they worked that into this too With him having to uh, to run with the presidential limo And uh, it all is paid off with a joke Which is, uh, again, a surprise But uh, a welcome one for me Where he, uh, <laughs> after his uh, exhausting day Takes a nap in the break room And everyone thinks he had a heart attack
0: I'm on my break, yeah. goddammit That's funny Yeah no, I mean I, I like that the movie like leans into the humor. Like foot is pretty funny. <laughs> like, it it makes mm-hmm. me kind of sad that he never did like a, I don't know, maybe a more straight up comedy. I guess it's maybe because he did Eddie Which Way But Loose, which is a comedy but sucks. <laughs> but like yeah, he he is so like deadpan and gruff that like. With with the right Material Like you could have done a great comedy With, with Clint Eastwood But I guess this is as close as, as you'll get
1: I guess so I can't think um, of any Yeah.
2: Do you think This line was meant to be as funny as it is I'm going to read it verbatim I'll be thinking about that While I'm pissing on your grave <laughs>
1: I think that yeah. that's like a hell think, yeah line. I, I, I think it's
0: supposed to be funny. <laughs> like, what kind of person talks about pissing on a grave, like <laughs> soberly?
1: Old badass. <sighs> old West action.
0: He's just fucking with him. He this. It, it is a fun dynamic also between Clint Eastwood and. And John Malkovich where it's like There is this cat and mouse thing Like they do seem to Kind of respect each other But at the same time Like Clint Eastwood Also just hates him so much <laughs> Like he's just so annoyed yeah. By his existence <laughs> So he's he does have Lines like that or, or the earlier One you mentioned where he Says he'll have a rendezvous with his ass Motherfucker Motherfucker.
2: It's, yeah, he says you'll have cool. a rendezvous with my ass, which I like really struggle to understand. With
1: a rendezvous thing. with my ass. <laughs> he's,
2: he's gonna give him a a butt bomb, I guess. <laughs> he's, he's,
0: <laughs> yeah, he's just gonna sit on his face. <laughs> I don't know.
2: I don't. Know. Um. But but you're right. We should we should talk about John Malkovich in this because uh he is good. Like he oh, I yeah. think he's giving a a good performance as a like psychopath. But is it memorable?
0: I think so. I mean, you could maybe say he got a little typecast in playing these types of villains, but I mean, I'd have to look at his filmography. But it's possible this may have been like his, like the archetypal John Malkovich villain role. Um, but maybe, maybe that could make it a little less memorable because we haven't we hadn't seen this movie until now. I don't know. Maybe that's it. But
1: uh, well, I I like the wigs. That's a nice touch.
0: The wigs are fun, yeah.
1: Um, I, I don't know that it's memorable. Just him doing him. It's pretty much the same thing he's doing in Con Air. Uh, Cyrus the Virus, iconic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. It's good. Enough. It could be way worse. Uh, you know, I'm glad that they got an actor of such a high caliber to play mm-hmm. what is essentially an, a character with like an interesting arc but still kind of an underwritten character. Yeah. I feel like they didn't go into enough like he was like I can't even remember he was like a rogue agent. He had some ties, right, to the government. I just like I hit. Assassin. He's a wet boy.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love that name by the way. Ne- what a silly nickname heard, for a assassin. <laughs> I, like I've heard the term wet work, but I've never heard wet boys. It's like if
1: that Sylvester Stallone movie, Assassins, was called Wet Boys. Wet Boys. Way, way worse title, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, yeah, as generic villains go, totally serviceable.
2: My favorite scene was when he goes to test out his uh, toy gun that he Me made. Too. yeah. The hunter's and he meets, he meets the hunters, and he kills them for having shot a duck.
1: Yeah. Also just, they're just pissing him off. He likes to kill. He's a, he's a wet boy. He likes to kill people.
2: He's a wet boy, yeah. He doesn't care.
1: <laughs> it's like when he kills that lady from the bank.
2: Oh yeah, that part's kinda creepy. Uh, That's it's sad.
1: It's memorable, though. Yeah. I also could swear, this is unrelated, I'm just thinking about other stuff in the movie. Fred Thompson. For future presidential candidate is in this movie yeah. as some mm-hmm. sort of, I can't remember, campaign advisor to the president or something. He's oh, he's he was, the guy who's...
0: He's like the chief of staff, I think.
1: Yeah, he's the guy that chews out Clint Eastwood for being old. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like there's a part um, where he's like, you can't do this our, the president's down 12 points. And I'm like, 12 points? He's gonna lose. That's a lot. I don't think this is making much of a difference. Yeah. <laughs> Like I assume we're close to the election. Everyone keeps talking about it. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna fucking lose.
2: It's also funny because a lot of it is a big push to win California, which I wild guess makes wild sense. to
1: think that there's a time where that was still considered competitive.
2: Yeah, it was a swing state back
0: then.
1: I mean, there was a time when Republicans and Democrats weren't all that different to your average Joe. Like like we talked about earlier, Clint Eastwood hated Nixon like Kennedy in this movie. know yeah, it's more about a man's character than his color, by which I mean red or blue. His team. His team.
2: Oh wait, were you doing a reference to? I wasn't doing any. The, the Lakeview Terrace trailer.
1: <laughs> no, I wasn't. That's a good trailer, though.
2: Yeah, there's a part in I, the trailer I know exactly what you about. the line, but I know what Ron Ron Glass is like what we have is a color issue, and that color is blue. Is blue.
1: <laughs> and then
2: <laughs> some cool song starts playing and you see that Daniel Jackson's a cop. Yeah. It's good shit.
1: So uh, one of the greatest movies of all time, greatest trailers of all time. Um, like the like uh, John Malkovich's funny gun. It's cool. Mm. I wonder if you could actually make that. Uh, I don't know if the MythBusters did that.
0: It's mm.
1: sort of I bet you could make that. It did some damage, damage too. It would like obliterate people.
2: I bet you could make it, but I bet it would also like blow up in your hand ninety percent of the time. Oh yeah,
1: it's <laughs> dangerous. dangerous. <laughs>
2: um, if we're getting into the ending of the movie, there are a few things there I'd like to talk okay. about. Uh, first and foremost uh it would have been very upsetting if they didn't do it but i found it like oddly thrilling and uh cathartic that they did ha- It include a scene where clint eastwood leaps in front of the president and takes it away
0: yeah it was it was predictable but it's like you y- you wanted it for him or you know yeah like <laughs> he's been waiting his whole life to do this like good for him
2: um, and then after that, it does turn into... Oh, I skipped over my other note, which is... What did you guys think of the weird... Um... First of all, there's the age CGI thing that they do. Oh, yeah. Um, but but then also there's the... Uh, in this scene, there's the weird spooky fade they do of, uh, of Malkovich putting his makeup on uh before he goes to the uh to the thing what do you guys think of these uh appearance transformation scenes as well as their um their uh their their thing about like you can always tell who someone is because you can see their their soul through their eyes or whatever
1: Huh. well i don't remember these particular fades so i i guess they were fine I didn't...
2: they do a weird fade where he's like sitting in front of a mirror and then like Fading the makeup and prosthetics on yeah. Instead of like putting it on It's just a, a Oddly stylish scene in a Otherwise like It's it's almost like De Palma-esque out uh-huh. of nowhere
1: Sounds cool I don't remember I think it. I kind
0: <laughs> of remember it and I, I guess I wasn't as thrown by it as you um,
2: yeah. You guys were looking at your phone it, at the time
0: <laughs> I like to make notes i've decided it's i've decided
1: it's (laughs) great i decided it's the best choice they made in the movie
0: yeah i mean i do remember okay the scenes of them like inserting young clint eastwood into old either photos or uh footage of of john f kennedy um yeah, I feel like it, it mostly worked. There's like one shot where it, it like kind of zooms in on him being in the background of video footage, and it looks weird. But for the most part, it works fine. You know, it's not something that people have been doing that much of in movies at that point. Like, it's it's it it's fine.
2: <laughs> I part of it is just like. This is a real thing that happened. Like, there's, like they might be putting his head on a real person's body. I don't I know. I think they were. Like That part of it made <laughs> me a little uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. I was forever ago. It's fun.
2: Well, it's 30 years in the past at this point. Yeah, uh, and everyone
1: had uh, JFK conspiracy fever. They wanted everything <laughs> and anything to do with it. We got that JFK movie just a year after this, right? People were Yeah, I
0: mean, this, this probably didn't seem that disrespectful compared to <laughs> JFK.
1: God, I've never seen JFK. Should we watch it?
0: I do I like it, to. even though it's like uh, nonsense. Mm. <laughs> I think it's really. Oh, no, thrilling. I was wrong. That was, a few years
1: be- that was a few years before this. Interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: It's interesting that it's nonsense. I didn't know that. I mean, I've I assumed, I guess. Oliver Stone's style is, uh, I'm an idiot, so <laughs> maybe that makes sense. Okay, but what about um, the the scene where they're doing a bunch of CGI uh, images of what John Malkovich could uh, look like? Did you guys like yeah, that? Yeah,
1: it's great. Yeah, it's great because it's like I wonder. It's like how, how many of these did they print out? Yeah. (laughs) Like a lot
2: I wonder how they did that.
0: You gotta be thorough. It's the Secret Service.
1: Yeah, did you have to try on different wigs and makeup appliances? And then they would just kinda use special effects to
2: To fade between the images? Yeah, like in the
1: like in the Michael Jackson black or white video when one person turns into another person. I bet he had to wear all that funny stuff.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um but we it's funny that we are getting cl- pretty close to the point of you can like take a picture and be like I'd like what would this look like with a mustache and AI can do it. Like we're almost there. That's that's we're we're real close if if we're not actually yeah. there. So they're only thirty years so. off.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, not super out of line. Of fire.
0: <laughs> um the
2: last thing I had in my notes is a, about the very end of the movie. Yeah. So I don't know. Is there something else? Should we talk about the Die Hard part? What's the Die Hard part? Where he's like chasing Malkovich, and they end up uh, in the elevator, and then he falls to his death in the way that all '80s and '90s movie villains end <laughs> up dying.
0: Um, we could. I just one thing I really liked was just how they shot like the franticness of all the secret service agents like swarming the president after um, like Alkovich, too, yeah. you know takes his shot like it like they just it happens all very fast or they just like grab onto him then just run out the door into the into his vehicle and then drive away very quickly like that all felt very I don't know authentic um, in terms of how it would play out with that kind of precision. Uh-oh. just just like that touch
1: I don't think in most movies you'd keep cutting back to it but they show you they keep cutting yeah. back to it and show you every step of him getting out of there and I agree like yeah that gives it just more authenticity it just makes it feel more like this is how it would go down if this actually happened so I like that that was a cool touch yeah
0: Uh, But what about the the, the less (laughs) believable part, the diehard part that you want to talk about?
2: uh, Well, so the last thing in my notes, it's a pretty simple thing, but I liked that they go to the Lincoln Memorial a couple times and it's super fucking crowded because every other movie that has Lincoln Memorial, it's like empty. like (laughs) No one's ever there. But when I was there, it was super fucking crowded. I imagine that's what it's always like that's all that's just i just want to say it's nothing i
0: appreciated about this movie yeah i'm
1: trying to think I of mean, other I, movies where they go to the lincoln memorial
0: yeah i also just appreciate that they clearly shot on location in dc which is not really <laughs> the vibe i got from white house down or olympus Is fallen because I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's just a nightmare for film crews to like get clearance and, and the you know avoid the security issues of shooting in D.C., but, like, they're clearly on this, the streets surrounding um, the White House. I mean, there's even a scene in uh, Lafayette Park, which is just, like, across the street from the White House. Um, so that's all yeah. cool also.
2: And I think even when they're doing that scene where he's running by the the, the presidential motorcade, can't you see, like uh, like, the Capitol building in the background or something? Like, it's very... Obviously in DC. Yeah, that's cool. I'm sure extremely annoying to residents of the district at that time. <laughs> yeah, but they're probably used to roads being closed and stuff. Yeah. Also, huge surprise during the credits that this was a more Coney score.
1: Oh, I missed
0: that. I did not.
2: Mm-hmm. I had not picked up on that the whole movie.
0: Yeah.
1: No, dude. Wow. I guess him and Clint are pretty tight. Yeah. Remember when uh, he got his honorary Oscar and Clint Eastwood had to translate?
0: Yeah, vaguely. No, guys, I don't
1: remember you that. you guys
0: remember this? I kind of do, yeah.
1: Because it was just so like, so, like, you know, Ennio would like say this really long thing and Clint would just be like, uh, well, he, he says he's, he's thankful for the... Uh, for the award, and it just like it's like—is that what he said? Those are very general things. I don't know. It seemed like he, just, he didn't know what he was saying. Yeah. I just, I, I, I don't know. Maybe Clint Smith knows Italian well enough to translate, but it didn't seem like it. That was just funny. Yeah. Good buddies
0: Um. I guess just one thing I wanted to comment on is I do feel like there was a lot of movies about presidents in the 90s, and I'm not exactly Mm. sure why that is. I mean, I can kind of think, like, maybe it's because, like, Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton were very, like, media-savvy and charismatic, you know, whatever you think of them as politicians. So maybe that's kind of part of it. I mean, like, after this, Wolfgang Pierce is, like, Air Force One, got, like, primary colors, Dave, the American president, and then, like, Independence Day. And then at the end of the decade, you have the West Wing being a TV show. Like, Mm -hmm. it was a thing.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think think it, it just has to do with the kinds of presidents we'd most recently had. Because if you go back further, if you go back to like Kennedy, there's a presidency that ends in a tragedy so people are sad for a while. You, I mean, Nixon, no one trusts the government in the 70s. I guess in between you got Lyndon B. Johnson, but he's not the most charismatic. He's flopping his wiener around. Um <laughs> <and> slacks. <so. laughs> the, the, the 70s, I feel like you get all those paranoid thrillers because it's like, we can't even trust the fucking president. We can't trust anybody. And then you mm-hmm. get kind of get back-to-back with Ford and Carter, like, not particularly charismatic presidents. And then you get you get Reagan and Clinton. Very charismatic, uh, you know, savvy presidents uh, in terms of media. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's
2: and it the Cold War's over, so we don't have to take the president as seriously anymore.
1: I think that's true, yeah. You can have fun. You know, you make movies like The American President and Dave.
0: And also these guys were like overwhelmingly popular presidents. Like, I think it felt a little less like the country was divided politically, um, especially compared to what it is now. But uh, I guess it was like just a safe bet making a movie about a, a president and you didn't really have to get politics involved as much. Did you did you guys
1: ever see Pixels?
0: No. No.
1: Adam Sandler. Did you know Kevin James is the president <laughs> in that movie? Uh,
0: I guess not. Why? why?
1: Of the United States. Know. Adam Sandler's he's Adam Sandler's best friend, but he's the he also, also the president. <laughs> I don't think Clanisa would take a bullet for. I I don't know. I, if he got to know him. Just one of the weirder I was just trying to think of recent, relatively recent movies where like the president is one of the characters.
2: You know what he would say to President Kevin James if he was about to get shot? Here comes the boom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. They could have made another in the line of fire. In the line of fire too.
2: When? Yeah. When would that have made he's definitely retired at the end of this movie? <laughs> but they gotta bring him back.
1: Back in t- like
0: 2015 or whatever, 90 year old speaking leader.
2: of his age,
0: yeah.
2: I wrote down lines from this movie that I think are also in McTrigger. You guys got to tell me.
0: Oh. I was so happy when he called okay. John Malkovich a sick son of a bitch.
2: <laughs> he called, he That's says, right. You're a sick son of a bitch. Yeah, um, he also says, I'm tired of your. bullshit <laughs> We've said that, right? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay, um, and then someone literally says, you're too old for this shit. Did we say
1: that? Yeah, well, Chief says, I-, I am I am too old for this shit, yeah.
2: Oh, okay, so we're pretty close. So along I with believe, the yeah. ass rendezvous, we've got some pretty cliche lines <laughs> mixed in there. Ass rendezvous.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, it would it, it always be funny to me that we made these McTrigger movies They were like a riff on the Dirty Harry, but uh, at least I and, and Colin, I don't think we were super well-versed at the moment in those movies, yet somehow still did
0: yeah.
1: I think I- fairly <laughs> accurate uh, recreations.
0: I think I had seen the first one at that point.
1: Okay. But yeah, I don't think I've seen. I've seen part of the first one. I haven't even seen the whole.
2: But movie. well, God, when you guys watch the sequels, you'll be shocked how much of McTrigger
0: is in them somehow. <laughs> I mean, it's fun to watch that Great. kind of character. <laughs> it
1: is fun. I like it. I support it.
2: Um, I support the IMDb goof section Even though uh, This one seems a bit pedantic Um, This user submitted Booth's landlady Says that the United States is the only country Where citizens can visit the office Of the head of state Uh, This is not true Casa Rosada The presidential palace of Argentina Is also open to the public every weekend Uh, Obviously that's common knowledge Everyone knows about Casa Rosada in Argentina. So, uh, pretty big, uh, pretty big goof on the on the part of the uh, the filmmakers here. And I, I hope someone was fired for that one.
1: God, what a fucking
0: dork! <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is he?
1: He just had that ready to go and was ready to use that fact in some capacity. Probably searching that as a keyword through the thousands of movies until like, he made a hit, so he could make a point of it. This, is a, this is
2: a, makes me mad. <laughs> uh, as you can imagine, there are lengthy, like several paragraph long goofs about guns because of the stupid thing that John Malkovich made.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm not uh, going Actually, you wouldn't be able to have got that through security in 1993 because of.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to (laughs) read.
1: How can you criticize a a fictional gun? It's not like they even go into what it is, really. They're pretty vague about it.
2: I'm not only not going to read this out loud, I'm not even going to read this silently to myself. I just don't want (laughs) want to waste your time, Sean.
1: Just just give it a downvote and get out of there. These people... They they think they're allies, but they they sound like villains, ah. or rogues, if you will. <laughs> there you go. That's why we're entering a segment. We're entering the line of fire. John's Rogues Gallery. God, I love being a bad guy. Test your mic. Guys, we got Mitch Leary. Was that he his real is, name?
2: I was wondering which name they're going to go with.
1: He is an evildoer.
0: Think Leary, yeah, Leary was his real name.
1: Full name Mitch Leary, alias Booth. That's what I knew him as, is Booth.
2: No love for James Carney.
1: No love for James Carney. Not even in here. Not even in here. <laughs> origin in the line of fire. Occupation, CI agent, formerly. Wet boy. Wet boy. Power slash skills. Yeah. Highly skilled expert on weaponry. And Okay. master of
2: disguise. <laughs> I mean, fair. He's got a lot. I a lot am... of disguises. <laughs> I. It's in, in the movie, they try to make their best case that you wouldn't necessarily recognize John Malkovich in a crowd
1: And I kind of buy it So I'm going to say yeah hmm. If you ask me There's only one Master of Disguise <laughs> And it's Pistachio Disguise From Master of Disguise <laughs> Remember that
0: movie? Yeah, sure Dana Dana He yes, to go to come the come Turtle back. Club <laughs>
1: you ever hear that story about how they're filming it and they found out 9-11 had happened <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a way to find out in your, <laughs> in your turtle man costume
1: <laughs> somebody found out a bunch of people found out that 9-11 happened while making Master of Disguise just a weird thing to think about while filming Dana Carvey dresses a turtle um. Okay, Mitch Leary's hobbies, killing people <laughs> and antagonizing Frank Horrigan.
2: I would kind of question the killing people as a hobby thing. He didn't seem like he particularly enjoyed killing those women or even those hunters. I mean, he, he definitely would like did it because he felt he had to. But I don't know if he's like, this is fun for me
1: yeah i felt he'd do it anytime people were asking too many questions he didn't yeah. want to leave any loose ends and people to, like get to know him too well mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know that because it's like i enjoyed it, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't seem like it. it didn't seem like he enjoyed killing people it just had that's just what he did mm-hmm. goals kill the u.s president and kill frank Horgan. both failed did he really want to kill Frank?
2: Um, He did at the end. At the uh, end. So, I think that counts.
1: Okay.
0: When
2: crimes! Frank's faking having a conversation with him.
1: Crimes, corruption, murder, identity fraud, and attempted assassination.
2: Okay, so they didn't list any money crimes, so I guess he had that money legitimately, and he was just using the banks to... Uh, to to funnel the money in an anonymous way.
1: He's doing it in a perfectly legal (laughs) way. Yeah. If he
2: just waited a few years, uh, he could have just used a pack and uh, he wouldn't have had to kill those ladies.
1: And type of villain, guys. Do you want to take a stab at this? It's two words.
2: (sighs) It's never mastermind. I know that, even though they're always masterminds. Always masterminds. I'm going to go
0: with Maniacal assassin.
2: Uh, wet space boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, of guys, of course, Mitch Leary is a sadistic rogue.
2: Mm, rogue? I don't think so. He went rogue.
1: A ro- he's, he's a rogue agent. Anything else you'd like to know while I'm on his page? I feel like there some questions. For
2: that. <laughs> Can you uh, Again. Well, I I guess the money thing doesn't matter because they enlisted it as one of his crimes. Can you unravel the code cipher thing from the end of the movie? I didn't understand what that was.
1: Um, I'm I'm, I'm scrolling down to the bottom of the page.
2: Because remember, there's the thing where he's like Clint Eastwood's like looking at. A photo or something and he's like oh this is that word like reverse like remember when Josh Molina shows up and he says something that makes Clint Eastwood put all together Uh, like what was that about I don't remember that at all or maybe I didn't understand at the time
1: I'm not really finding anything on here that is clarifying any of that.
2: Speaking of surprising cameos, though, Josh Molina and also John Hurd out of nowhere just in this.
1: Yeah, John Hurd, that was definitely weird because this is post Home Alone. For him to just kind of show up. Uh, Do you also, guys want to know who?
0: Gary Cole Gary as an Cole. asshole, of course. Good. Oh,
1: of course. I forgot about Good that. Good
0: selection of character actors.
1: <laughs> yeah, Kenny Vanya. Seinfeld? Yep. <laughs> Love it when a TV actor shows up in a serious movie. Yeah. When John Mahoney.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got, got your must see Thursday. Uh, <laughs> actors <laughs> showed up in this Secret Service. Do you guys movie. want
1: to know who else was offered the role of Mitch Leary? I got three names here.
0: Ooh. Oh, I um, think I saw. Uh,
2: should we guess, or are they just fascinating?
1: They're not that fascinating. They're kind of like you would. You'd get. I you have two of these. You could probably guess. I think I
0: saw them, but I didn't. I only remember two of the three.
1: Sean, do you want to take three guesses to see if you can get one of them?
2: Well, I think a fun one. I think this is really unlikely, um, but Jim Carrey plays a role in um, one of the Dirty Harry movies. I think it'd be funny if Jim Carrey was offered this part.
1: Um, no, he, he wasn't offered this part. I feel like this is kind of in that weird space in between where, like, he hasn't quite had his break at year, but he's still, like, a busy character actor and, like, in some stuff. Um, but no, he was not offered. That would be uh, interesting.
2: <laughs> i to take any more guesses. Going off of just the next few movies Wolfgang Peterson makes. Uh, I mean, I know Outbreak is up next. Did Dustin Hoffman get an offer?
1: Mm, no, interesting choice though. I could, I could see it.
2: Or Donald Sutherland, the bad guy from Outbreak. Uh-huh.
1: God, you know, now I'm just thinking about Donald Sutherland in Backdraft as like the head of Elector of fire. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? There's a scene. Okay, I'm gonna reveal. There's a scene where Robert De Niro, who was one of the guys who was uh, suggested for for Mitch
2: mm. later,
1: There's a scene where Robert De Niro has like the fire inspector interviews Donald Sutherland, who's like the Hannibal Lecter of fires, to get mm-hmm. like more insight into the pyromaniac that's been going around the city. It's such a bizarre thing to have in a movie. I love Backdraft, you guys. It's really great. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, the, the three actors were uh, were Robert De Niro, Jack Nicholson, and Robert Duvall. Uh, I feel like Jack Nicholson comes up often as like, they oh, they wanted to cast Jack Nicholson. And it never sounds right. I'm trying to remember other times when we brought up, this was offered to Jack Nicholson. Because it's definitely come up in past picks. <laughs> um, I'm just kind of scrolling through. Was no, I don't think I was gonna. I was trying to remember if *Devil's Advocate* that was Redford was offered, or they want they thought Redford for *Devil's Advocate*. I know Jack Nicholson came up in something we were talking about. People, people don't understand. If you want Jack Nicholson, it's got to be like sixty percent of your budget. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's something he's passionate about, like *Wolf*, definitely future pick. I'm actually surprised we haven't watched Wolf.
0: yet Yeah, I mean, it would it would kind of fill out the trilogy with uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula yeah. and uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein.
1: The the like '90s reimaginings of classic monsters. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, speaking of, well, maybe enough, I'll pick it in, uh, in two years when it's when it, we can celebrate its 30th anniversary.
2: Should we uh, talk about the next pick? Yeah, Let's yeah. talk
1: about the next pick. It's your pick,
2: John. It's me? <laughs> I, yeah. wasn't sh- I wasn't sure if it was me or you because we had a suicide pact over, over, over <laughs> this next pick. Uh,
1: well, I, I, finished, I finished the last season with my Big Fat Greek Wedding, and then it's calling you me. So it's you.
2: Um, so John and I both bought a Blu-ray uh, two seasons ago, and then we kept putting off making it a pick last season. Um... So, I think we gotta watch it now. Uh, The timing is is not particularly right in any sense. Uh, There's there's no, it doesn't tie into this movie, and it doesn't really tie into the fall. Uh, Maybe back to school because you think like kids, because it's a movie for kids. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, we're gonna watch uh, Transformers the movie. Uh, which is legally distinct from the movie Transformers from 2007. Uh, this came out in 1985? 86, I
1: think. 86. I'm looking uh, at my steelbook right now.
2: It's got a sweet steelbook. Uh, it has uh, Leonard Nimoy and Eric Idol and Robert Stack and Orson Wells in his final role. Um, and to sell toys... They kill a lot of toys in this movie. Um, I forget who's seen this before. Have we all seen it before?
1: I don't. I think I saw it when I was like four. So I'm gonna say no. I, I definitely have, but I have
0: literally zero memory of it. I have not seen this feature film before. All right.
1: I'm all right. really excited.
2: And uh, I'm sorry to you, Colin. You have not put your money down yet, so you probably are going to have to pay for a rental. I don't oh, think it's streaming God. or anything.
1: You can rent it pretty much anywhere, though. I'm looking it up. All right. Only, it says it's $1.99 <laughs> off of Amazon. I don't know what your go-to rental service is.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm a Redbox man. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. The Redbox app? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. It's like... So... Well, I, remember, I mean, I, that's how we watched... Uh,
0: Woodstock. It's that went like down. the least evil company <laughs> that well, you can rent. Yeah, well, now it's for by chicken soup for the soul. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's Sarah Hart. Where it's we still the, weird, know. and I guess better than Amazon. It looks like you're gonna
1: have to drop a hard three ninety nine on uh, on Redbox. Oh man! But hey, uh, it's only eighty five minutes. Like Sean mentioned, it has. Uh, a very eclectic cast for a kids movie. Animation is beautiful. Weird Al's "Dare to Be Stupid" is in the movie. Yeah, <clears> the song in the soundtrack. Yep.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Huh. That's, I'm
1: gonna uh, guess this is probably better than all of the Transformers movies too. Like mm-hmm. just just on a base, just on how it looks because it looks like
2: God damn it, John! Now I'm gonna have to watch Bumblebee. <laughs>
1: hmm bumblebee colin's friends in bumblebee yeah i actually uh when i heard that i i pulled it up because was streaming on prime at one point and i just sc- sc- scanned through the whole movie to try and find him and then i found him i was like wow there he is He's a Bumblebee." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool
0: he was oh. on one of our podcasts Colin Holtz, so I'm pitching tents.
1: Was that pre or post Bumblebee?
0: That was pre Bumblebee.
1: Oh wow. So we got him before his breakout role. Oh,
0: yeah. uh, so if you want to go listen to that podcast or any other of our fine podcasts, uh, you can head over to MildlyPlease.com or you can search Mildly Please in the podcast app, the Apple one, or you can, you can go to wherever else you get your podcasts. I don't know. I don't know these things. All I know is uh, we're back to putting these out on a semi-regular basis. So you got that to look forward to. Um, and, you know, we'll see you next time. And if, if we don't, you'll have a rendezvous with my ass. Motherfucker! I never looked for trouble but I never ran I don't take no orders I'm no kind of man I'm only made out flesh blood and bone